This is episode number 105 of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this episode, we have Ryan Johansson. Ryan is the owner of Johansson Baseball in Illinois. Um, he is also a coach in the Chicago White Sox organization. And in this episode, we talk a, a lot about player development, um, how he trains his players. Um, we, we get into force plates. Ryan actually just purchased some force plates and um, he was actually driving back uh, from Columbus to his facility um, with those force plates uh, while he was recording this episode. Um, we also talk about why he doesn't allow parents in his facility and how that helps um, certain um, hitters you know, really feel that they can open up and be themselves without always worrying about a parent um, watching them. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, the only thing I would ask is, you, is if you guys could just tell one person about this podcast, just share it with one person you know. Um, would greatly appreciate that. And um, without further ado, here is Ryan Johansson. All right, and we are now live with Ryan Johansson. Ryan, really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Uh, I know we, we met at the ABCA talking with Chad, and uh, he hit it on the head. You're the go-to podcast, so <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to be, be on. Well, uh, first of all, how I know, like I said, we, we met at, at, um, at ABCA. I know you just opened up your second location, but kind of tell me how uh, Johansson Baseball got started in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So, um when I was done playing, you know, I was just like a lot of people who wanted to stay in the game and um, started giving some lessons and um, I started coaching in college. And, you know, in 2013 is kind of when we started doing the quote unquote data collection stuff. And we were standing on ladders with radar guns and people were like, what are you what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? Um, we were, you know, so rudimentary. Uh, you know, I, I think you're, you were down at the on-base you thing. One of the, one of the things to talk about is like, use what you have. So we were using baseball bats and the lengths to figure out different launch angles and where we were in the cage and things like that when it would have been way easier to like go to Home Depot and buy a measuring tape or use the measuring tape that we use to, uh, um, measure the mound distance, right? Like critical thinking would have been, would have helped back then. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> um, you know, that once that started, then, um, you know, the, the, we were the crazy guys that just would point to the top of the cage and say, like, fly balls in the air, good. And, you know, nobody kind of really understood what we were talking about. And, um, you know, we start to put the data out. Oh, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get hit tracks and, and prove you all wrong. Like, I'm going to – I'm gonna, or prove myself right, rather. You know, I want to see if I'm actually right or if this is bad. And um, we were wrong in the sense of, like, the top of the cage is way better than we thought it was. Like we, <laughs> we are rudimentary angles were like only okay. Um, and it's, uh, we should have been aiming even more to <laughs> for the top of the cage for some of the guys that had the power to do so. Um, but yeah. And then after that, it was, we just started compiling the numbers and the data and the rabbit hole continued. And here we are today. So I know right now I, we're on, we're on the phone. I know you just told me you're driving back from Columbus, picking up, you just picked up some uh, force plates um, what, what are, what are those and why are those important? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, that's exactly what I'm doing right now. <laughs> uh, so what they are is they basically measure the ground reaction forces. Um, what we're going to be able to do is basically how you transfer energy from one leg to another, 
what your body prefers, you know, how they prefer to transfer energy. Um, and then, you know, being able to couple that with 3d analysis, uh, on base U TPI, you know, assessments, uh, basically to design swings for players and then also objectively see like if we can shave off, you know, time to contact for one thing. Um, you know, that's the kind of how they're being used now. Um, what we're, what we want to do is we want to do some vision stuff with it. And, um, I don't really know exactly what we're going to find or what all we're going to test with it. We've got like a lot of ideas and we need to figure out kind of how we're going to control the group, um, and what it means for, you know, how, how weight shift means in, in, in that context of when and how we see the baseball. Um, and that's kind of, it's all I really can say right now, just cause I don't know, which is a, a bad answer, unfortunately. And I just say, I don't know. And maybe a lot. And, uh, <laughs> just kind of how we do things, I guess. <laughs> so I know I've been, uh, like I said, I, I, like you said, I was at on base. You, there's a lot of different things going on with the movement screenings, with the 3d motion capture, the kinematic sequence, all those, all that, you know, really good stuff. Um, how does, how do you incorporate all that into your program? Is it like uh, a membership facility or is it a lesson model? Yeah, great question. Um, so we don't really do lessons. We have, we have a couple people that have really just said, Hey, this is what we, this is the service we want. We want the one-on-one we're going to do our own stuff. Or, you know, maybe it's a kid who just, um, just can't perform in a group environment for various reasons. Um, but most of our stuff is membership based. So essentially players will come in, they'll be assessed. And then that, you know, we train them on a, on a monthly platform. So they get access to our weight room, um, our throwing programs, our hitting programs, and we'll see our most dedicated players six days a week for, you know, anywhere from an hour to three hours, depending on what their training protocol is that day. Are you guys, I saw you guys are open 24 hours a day. <laughs> uh, yes. And that's just be in theory, we could be, uh, you know, that was, would be like by appointment. So we have some kids that will come in way later. I don't, we don't have like set up facility hours. I'm there, I'm there close to 12 hours a day, uh, usually, or in some capacity can get there open, um, you know, and things like that. So, uh, technically not, we're not really actually open 24 hours a day. It's probably more of just, you could probably get a hold of me 24 hours a day if you needed to talk to me about something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is something that's been in the, um, on social media lately and something that I've looked into and I know uh, you're doing some stuff with it is bat fitting. And this has been going on in golf for a really long time, and now baseball is starting to get caught up with it. Um, I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on bat fitting and just like if you do any of that or and how you do if you do it. Yeah, so that's actually one thing that I'm really excited about. Um, Aaron Chamberlain from Great Lakes Bat Company has been very, very good to us. Um, he's got a phenomenal program um, that, that he's put together. It's 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 definitely the most advanced that I've seen, um, or that I've heard people talk about. Um, so basically what he can do is he can tell you the ideal swing weight. Um, he, he would, he would just, he would simplify this in a way that would actually make sense, but essentially, um, he can tell you based on an algorithm that he's created and the power efficiency metric, what bats would fit your swing versus, just looking at it and saying, Oh, you swing an end loaded faster. You swing a balance faster. Like he's really looking at MOI and swing weight. Um, so there's some instances where like a 34 balanced would be equivalent to a 33 end loaded swing wise, but because it's a 
34 and you get an extra ounce, the collision efficiency uh, may be better. And, and I apologize to Aaron if I screwed that up. Um, <laughs> he's uh, much more uh, into that as, uh, than I am. Um, you know, some of the problems with the other bat fitting systems are you're limited to what you put in your hand, right? So let's just take, you know, Dick Sporting Goods, for example, just added hit tracks and the idea of doing bat fitting. And it's, uh, it's not any fault of hit tracks, um, you know, at all. But uh, essentially, you pick up three bats and you test them for which one, you know, is best. And the bat that you actually should have been testing and swinging never gets touched because it, did, it wasn't the color or the model or the make uh, that you thought, you know, you, you wanted or needed. Um, whereas with Aaron's program, it's going to spit out all these dimensions and all these things. And you can swing anything that fits in that category. Um, and then you can test from there. So the BB cores were limited in, in a sense because if Rawlings doesn't make a bat, Louisville doesn't make a bat, Easton doesn't make a bat, the Marina doesn't make a bat, they, or they all make bats that are kind of close to what you you um, measure at, then you can go and you can pick up all those bats and you can say, okay, out of all these ones that are close, this is the one that I'm actually getting the most you know production out of. Whereas his wooden pro fittings are, are awesome because they're even that much more detailed and everything's custom. Don't you think that, that part of the, the issue um, with that and just in baseball in general is, is getting people to actually buy in? Because I, when I was at it on Base U, uh, uh, Greg Rose told a story of how he met with um, uh, the head guy of Marucci and how they were they were doing these bat fittings. They were starting to do some stuff with that, and they brought a bunch of players in and said, hey, like if you swing this bat, this model, this weight, everything, like your exit velocity is like going to go up five miles an hour. And everyone was like, eh, I'm actually going to go with the other one instead. That's a huge factor. And that's something that, um, especially with like college guys who might not have, you know, a, a ton of money. Well, I guess even, you know, minor leaguers or, um, you know, high, families of high school parents who have to pay for these things. Um, when the bat fitting comes back and it suggests a $400 bat and it says, Hey, yeah, your average exit velocity is going to go up by X. Um, but the bat's $400 and you have, this is so new, like so many people probably aren't going to go invest $400. They're probably going to go grab whatever bat they already have, or they don't understand the context of what average exit velocity and their actual swings, you know, does for them. Um, so I think the buy-in is huge and I think it's just important that we keep plugging away and we keep providing context and, you know, um, it's okay if people don't buy in, like, it's just information, right? Like at the end of the day, it's these guys' careers. Um, it's their, it's their moment in time. You know, they're going to have to be, you know, live with these decisions. If they take a suggestion, whether it's a coaching cue or, or to use a specific bat and it doesn't work, um, you know, it's tough to blame the, the guy who put the bat in your hand or, or the coach when it's your career at the end of the day. Um, so from my perspective is that if I if I, that's my fault, like I would definitely take the blame. Be like, yeah, I was wrong about that bat or I was wrong about, you know, that cue or that mechanic or whatever. So if the kid fails, it's always my fault. And then if a kid or player succeeds, it's always on them. Right. Um, yeah, pretty much. That's kind of a yeah. It's like, and that's how it should be. You know, I, I, I never I can't win as a coach. I can only lose. Um, and that's totally fine. That's, that fits my personality, you know, well. Um, and so, yeah, but in the context of, of buying in, I think, I think that's really important that, that people buy in and, and kind of start to trust the process. And it's, it's tough. You know, we had a kid, um, I had a kid, I, it, it, you were open-minded enough to do it, which was really good. And it, it really helped that the specific bat was on sale off of the website that we were directing them to. Um, and, uh, 
he was going from a 32 inch. He was a freshman in high school up to a 34. And his dad was like, there's no way he can swing this. There's no way. There's no way. And he ended up getting it. And he just, I mean, the, it, it would, it would surprise me if he doesn't play varsity baseball as a freshman swinging that bat. Um, and so it's just, it's just funny to see when that stuff works. And now, you know, now the, now the parent, you know, I could say, Hey, hit a, stand on your head and try to hit. That's the new coolest, modern, most thing. Okay. Like, you know, once you, once you get them, like they'll do anything. And, um, and I don't know if that's necessarily good, uh, <laughs> good or not, but it's just kind of cool to see like when it works, it works. Yeah. Do you think that there's too much information out there right now? Um, so I tweeted about this the other day. I said, I think we're doing way too much and yet not nearly enough. I think, I think we're overanalyzing the wrong things. Um, and I think some people are doing it for the sake of doing it. Like to say, like, I have this information than you and therefore you should come either like give me money or just know that I'm smarter. I, I don't, I don't know what everybody's motives are, but that's sometimes how it seems, especially, um, especially in like the social media world, right? Like that's something that I, I say all the time, like we're all going to die. So like we should be putting out better content and I'm just as guilty as the next guy of, um, not like just sometimes just being really sarcastic and not actually putting out quality information. Um, and so that's something that we're going to try to do as a, as a company better in 2019. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, especially when you get these cerebral players, right? Like, Oh, I saw this drill on Twitter. Like, what do you think? And, um, like maybe like I, I, I need to know more about you before I think that that's a good idea for you specifically. Um, but it's also great because in the age of information, these players don't need to, now you almost don't have to go find like a guru coach and pay him outrageous amount of money for a 30 minute lesson that like maybe might not work or it might work or you might think it works, but really it's just because he's hitting for 30 minutes. That has nothing to do with the fact that you're paying that guy and it'd be way cheaper and you know, maybe a better bonding experience to go rent a tunnel and hit with your dad. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, that a false confidence that happens, uh, in a, in a blocked, uh, practice setting, like, like a lesson or something of that nature. And I don't, I'm sure you've seen similar things as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, I, I think too. So I was, um, this came up in a, in a conversation the other day. I think sometimes when we get these like weird cues or weird drills or things that players think they have to think about in order to be successful, whether it's, you know, um, you know, the one that was bouncing around in the media was Bregman and the flashlights, right? Like the, the feel versus real conversation, whether it's Bregman or anybody else, I think a lot of that stuff stems from in a blocked, uh, environment where it happens, um, it happens to work when you think about it one or two times and then you have like a really good round and it really was, it really was just because things were clicking that day and it had nothing to do with the feel, but you then think it had to do with the feel. So now you think you always have to have that feel or think of it that way. And it's kind of like irrelevant to how you move or what you do, but in your mind it works. And if you could build context around maybe what actually happened that day, it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that you thought you had flashlights. I maybe it was, I mean, we don't know enough about the, you know, the brain and to do that yet. And I know people talk about, you know, feel versus real a lot, but, um, that's another, you know, thing that another rabbit hole that I'm interested in. Um, you know, especially being task oriented and, you know, having the constraint led approach, um, you know, things like that, but it's another, it's a whole other thing. Um, uh, but yeah, I just kind of rambling. Um, 
Well, do you guys do you guys use um, uh, overload underload bats when you train players? Absolutely. Yeah, we actually use we use all kinds of different stuff. So um, we use we we call uh, I stole this uh, phrase from Chad Longworth, uh, the bat library. Right. So once I heard him say that and we were already using some weighted bats, I was like, man, I could make a killer library like I could get really creative with this. So we use everything from sweet spot trainers to DIY um, uh, balance bats, which I highly recommend if you're going to use balance bat, get the real thing. Try to make one on my own. Um, we don't sell them or promote them at all. I had some guy custom make it. It's going to be way better if you actually get the real balance bat. So you should reach out to that guy if you're interested. Um, I don't remember his name. Do, I don't know. Do you know the balance bat guy? Do, do, uh, do I know the of them. I don't know them personally. Yeah. So I talked to him on the phone. He's a really smart guy. Um, it was basically the general thrust of uh, like your DIY ones aren't nearly as good as what I have. And he explained why. And I was like, wow, you're right. Like, I probably should just get like the real thing. Um, and I just haven't yet, but, uh, um, yeah, we use overload underload training. Uh, we use, even when we do like our small ball machine or like we'll use a longer PVC pipe versus a shorter one. We'll use different handles, like basically just anything to change the environment, um, change angles, anything. How long do you think a player should hit for? a good question um i think i think it varies i don't i think we swing too much though i think i think as a general rule we swing too much and i agree um you know one of we need to move better and we need to see better we need to react better but we need to do it in a baseball setting right so um that's the other thing with when you put the bat down i think where a lot of people probably also waste a lot of time and we're probably going to find out here pretty soon with some of the stuff we're working on that like some of our ideas are going to be a waste of time and we're going to figure out which ways are efficient and which, which ways aren't. Um, but you know, if you get better at a task that doesn't translate to hitting because you can see like a screen better or whatever it is that doesn't necessarily make you, doesn't mean you're going to react in a baseball setting. So what you can test if, is in a baseball setting with a hit tracks or bat any rap soda or anything like that, even 3d analysis. Um, are you getting faster, better objectively? And, you know, Bill Miller talks about this a lot and I love the stuff he's putting out on med ball stuff. I'm not sure if you're following that, but essentially to measure force, we should just be consistently measuring different med ball variations and speeds and things like that. And, um, I think he's, I think he's right on. Um, I think we can measure what the body can do without having to swing. And the younger and younger you get, the mo- the less I think players are going to buy into that because baseball is fun. Like, that's why we play. It's a game. So the more opportunity they get to swing the bat, whether it's an overload bat instead of doing med ball stuff, um, like, that's that's more fun for a kid or even, you know, even an adult to swing a bat training-wise than it is to, like, throw a ball against the wall that doesn't bounce back and that there's not feedback. Although from, like, a pro athlete trying to or even a college guy trying to elongate their career, it might be a way better option. Yeah, and I, I've I've seen that exact same scenario as well, where I'll pull out a PVC pipe, and you can just see like the look on the kid's face, like all he wants to do is hit. And I'm like, if we don't like put the bat down and like correct some of these movements, like you're never gonna hit, like in an actual game, it won't be fun. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And uh, and you, you, I mean, you've got some really cool PVC stuff. I love uh, I love the stuff that you put out for um, for guys. So that's really cool. Where do you look like when you're um, like looking to implement uh, new information or just new um, 
new drills or where do you look to is it social media for you or is it something that you experiment with on your own within um, your own staff how do you get the new new uh new stuff um all of it man it's 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 everything and anything so um social media is a great place to learn there's definitely a lot of good information out there um and i'm definitely not definitely not one of those people that like has to figure it out myself like if somebody's already done it and it works and they can explain it and prove it then like i'm absolutely gonna you know jump on board and, and test it out myself and then you know implement it with our players and give credit wherever you know credits due. um one guy recently as of you know really really before um i got like really into social media or any of that stuff uh justin stone and he's been on our podcast and done some stuff with him he was putting out some really cool youtube videos you know years ago just simply about kinematic sequence before all the tech right um and so that was a guy that i followed a lot and and really liked and i've had a chance to get to know him and and kind of build a relationship with him over the past uh couple months really um and he's a he's a really good resource i I text him random ideas all the time uh chad longworth has most of my good ideas and good sayings um have come from either chad longworth or nelson gord um you know it's really tough to like invent stuff you know these days it's i think it's a combination of having some of your own ideas but really integrating and being creative with what people have already done like we're not reinventing the wheel ted williams said this stuff in a long time ago yeah he 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 really did and that's it is kind of funny how all those years ago he he said all this stuff but yet we're still catching up to what he said you know 35 40 years ago yeah and i think kyle Bodie was was tweeting about this the other day is that you know in software they call it what uh nih i think is what it said and it stood for not invented here and it was like a syndrome so to speak that software <laughs> he was like calling it a disease like if i didn't invent it i can't use it and um there's a guy that that there's a scout that i that i talked to um that's really 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 smart he's very very smart human he process information very well explains the information very well um and he talks about it all the time that these guys um you know who are doing some of this stuff essentially like rigid legs is force plate data like like weight transfers force plate data but so many people don't want to look at a force plate and put a number on it because they just want to say oh no i knew this stuff i was i was right all along it's like why can't you why can't you use objective data to verify your ideas or slightly change them? And I would say objective data has, have, has verified a lot and it's also slightly changed a lot. And it's proven me wrong, not as much as I expected it to. Um, but it's, there's definitely been times that like Nate and I have like looked at something and been like, holy crap, that's awesome. I was really wrong about that. <laughs> um, and now we know and now we can fix it. And so, And I think high school players and college players and pro guys like, I've found that when I say, dude, I was so wrong, like forget everything I told you like a week ago, we're totally pivoting because of X, Y, Z. They don't like get mad. They're not like, oh, you're an idiot. They're like, dude, thanks for figuring it out because anywhere else I would have gone, I would have been doing that anyways. Yeah, I think people appreciate uh, not just, it's just the honesty and and someone who is willing to say, uh, admit that I was, I was wrong. As simply as that sounds, uh, in this day and age where, where coaches, you know, know everything. Um, I think, I think players appreciate that. Yeah. And it's, it would be, and that's what we're finding out too. And I was talking with Nelson Gord about this, um, the other day is there's so much to do out there that if you start to become 
a jack of all trades and a master of none, then you're really going to kind of pigeon your pigeonhole yourself to just either being like kind of gimmicky, like saying, Hey, we have all this stuff, but we really don't know how to use it. Or, um, you're just, it's going to collect dust or you're going to think you know how to use it. And you're going to end up hurting players because you're not going to integrate it properly. Um, whereas what we're trying to do to, in, is essentially figure out what direction we want to go with the technology in terms of what, what's, what is new that's not being done yet. And then how can we utilize other people's brains and minds and research to basically, find find something specific that we're going to work on i think i think we found it um you know it's it's i I think we figured it out but you know i then again i don't know i say i don't know and maybe a lot and that's another thing that i stole from chad longworth i steal all my good ideas from him (laughs) um what do you think about uh, bat sensors love them so and what do you use we use blast motion um and so that's, that's kind of a funny story. So I, I bought a Zep. I bought it from Verizon, like when Verizon was selling them. I was in getting some Verizon upgrade. was selling Zep? Yeah, like way back when. Like this has got to be one of like – it had to have been one of like the first Zeps. Like this is like, like forever ago. And they had baseball and golf. And um, I was in there getting something with my phone. And I was – I had already been doing the exit velocity stuff. So this must have been like 2014 maybe. And so maybe, I don't know when Zep came out. Maybe it wasn't the first Zep, but um, it was 2014, sometime in that time frame. And I was getting, something was wrong with my phone. I walked in, I was like, what is that thing? And they were like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a Zep sensor. This is what it does. And I was like, cool. Yeah, let's, let's get it. And so I bought their last baseball version that they had in stock and uh, I went and tried it and I ended up giving it away. It was 150 bucks, just like the sensors are now. And I ended up giving it away after a week. So, um, just we would put stuff on video we would try to calibrate it was never right if you've used that in the past you know everyone that i've talked to you know it's um, confirmed that they had this similar experience um the squiggly lines the perfect you know the swing arcs everything was just jacked up and so i was anti-bat sensor for a long time i was like look i don't care what the bat does i can tell if we need to make changes based on what the ball does if we're not hitting it harder then we don't need to test what the bat does. And I was like very much, cause that was when hit track, when I got our hit tracks, they were, they were supporting diamond kinetics. And that was, that was a big thing. And I remember talking to them, I was like, Hey, do I really need that? Or is that like going to be like too much? Um, and I did, I was still anti bat sensor cause of the Zep. And then this guy, uh, Brett Thomas from blast calls me or I can't remember exactly how we got connected. Um, but he calls me and I was like, dude, I'm like anti bat sensor. Like probably not. And he's like, dude, let's just get a demo. Like, let me show you some stuff. Totally understand. So I spent 30 minutes with him and, and he was a very good teacher of what they were doing and what blast could do for us. Um, and then we ended up doing some really, really cool stuff with it. And the way that we were looking at it and I got this idea actually from Rich Benjamin, who's the, um, I coached with him at Judson university. Now he's the head coach at Indiana Wesleyan. He's a really, really smart guy. Um, he was another guy. He was actually, he was doing active velocity before me and launch angle before us. I got a lot of good ideas from him before the Statcast era he was doing stuff where he was taking video of the hack attack machine and making sure it was coming in at the right angle. So he would have, he was trying to figure out for his hitters, make it as realistic as possible, like off the machine for like attack angle before like attack angle was cool. Um, just a context about Rich. And uh, so anyways, back to the bat sensors. Um, he said, hey, you should be testing what they do in a performance environment, like machine live game 
and you should be testing what they do in like a training, you know, environment or training zone. And that would be like flips T more like that, like block training, so to speak. And so we, uh, and so we, you know, jumped on that and that was how we were testing it. We were seeing what guys could do off of T off flips and off machine, um, and how it varied and why it varied. And so then what we would do is we would use immediate feedback to be like, dude, you're, you're 10 miles an hour slower. And then we started getting into anxiety and, and attention shifting. And it was, they were around the same time, which is another reason why we kind of put it together that way. And we figured out that like, um, or piece together rather like the anxiety and tension portion of all this is, is huge. You know, the body's not going to, I don't care muscle memory, you know, Greg Rose talks about it. Muscles don't have memory. Isn't going to matter if you're super anxious and what I call squirrel mode is, you know, I got stole from the from the movie up is where people are like, yeah, I'm locked in. I'm going to crush. I'm going to crush. I'm going to crush. They get loaded and that ball comes out of the hand and they're like squirrel, you know, and they kind of like freak out and kind of pause. And we saw that with the bat, with the bat sensors and you could see, you, you know, then we started, you know, started kind of like guessing facial expressions and then you just like ask the right questions and they're like, yeah, I am kind of nervous or yeah, I don't want it to hit me. And it, a lot of stuff comes out in the wash when you start like diving deeper into their emotions and their feelings and stuff like that. And I don't know if that got really weird because you asked about bat sensors. I started talking about emotions, but, uh, <laughs> um, that's kind of where, like, that's where, that's where my head goes. Is like, I want to, I want to know. And I actually, I stole this next phrase from Tommy Johnson, who was on your podcast and he said it on your podcast, um, was what's the prerequisite for X or what's the prerequisite for Y. And so that's kind of, I think it's a way better version of just constantly just asking why for no good reason. But like, there's a specific answer to this and we need to get dive deeper and deeper and deeper so we can actually help the athlete. We're not just yelling cues. And then when they hit a ball, well being like, see, even though they did nothing that I asked them to do. And I just want to take credit for it because it's a cool cue and whatever. Right. And, and I'm glad you brought, brought out, started bringing up kind of the mental part of it because you can have great mechanics. We can work on, you know, every right drill, do the movement assessment, K vest, whatever force plates. At the end of the day, if, if I like that phrase where you know squirrel mode, if you get in the box and just you know everything falls apart, then it's all for nothing in a sense. Yeah, and that's why you know it's. I think it's awesome that you called your machine Darth. Like that's super cool. Like we call ours the Terminator, and it's in the sense of like. I want them to walk into that, that box, like expecting to be beat and then figure out how to like not have that feeling anymore. Like how to figure out, you know, okay, I expected that this machine was going to get me, but today I PR'd and my head of line drive percentage of 40% and my swing and miss rate was way less than it's ever been. And Oh my gosh, I beat the Terminator. I beat Darth, like whatever it is. Right. Right. And so now if you can be Darth, I mean, you're going to, you're going to beat, you know, the high school pitcher who's throwing 72 and you know, has a, mediocre curveball change up and then when you go to obviously then when you go to college you'll see better stuff you go to pros you'll see better stuff but if you can just make darth that much harder and start changing angles and really just make players not be anxious anymore like now they can they can actually focus their attention you know externally you know as as you know external cues rather i think is the is the hot topic um i don't know if it still is that might have been like a 2018 thing who knows um but yeah, the external cues versus internal cues, they can now focus their attention and they can take good hard swings and we can measure it with bat sensors. And Hey, now your bat speed is actually better here, you know, versus, you know, whatever else. And it's because now you're kind of even more locked in against live than you are like front toss. And I think the leg kick nation guys and Steve Johnson do a really, really good job of that. Yeah, like, he does. He does. 
the anxiety portion and like how they can recreate environments and what they do is super cool. I've taken a lot of, a lot of stuff. You asked me where I looked earlier. I should have mentioned him too. He's awesome. Um, I had a chance to talk to him a little bit just through like Instagram and, um, and emails and stuff like that. He's a really busy guy, but, uh, he's, he's a dude. He'd be like one of my bench guys. Like if, you know, the question like, who would you sit in a bench and like talk to you for an hour? Like he'd be one of those guys, like for sure, like top five. Um, so speaking of machines, is that what something that you guys do a ton of is hit off machines? Yeah. So we'll, uh, we have, a, we have a spin ball machine. Um, oh, you guys got a spin ball. Um, I, I like it. I, uh, <laughs> um, we had some issues with it and they, they're taking care of it. Um, and that's, I guess not everybody has had, uh, that same experience we've been really fortunate they've been really good to us the machine itself when it works is awesome um so i that's i like it a lot uh in that room we actually have two we have one in each facility and then in our, our south Ocean facility we also have a hack attack junior so we'll do like double the two-headed monster idea um you know that ochart talks a lot about ball goes up in both hands you have no idea which machine i'm going to put it in one's an 80 mile hour slider and one's like a 95 mile hour fastball like going the other direction so um kids like there's there's like some kids that'll square that up and then we tone it down for the younger guys so we still do it with the younger guys but obviously it's not 95 and 80 it's you know equivalent to what they actually need to see so when you if when you have two of them set up side by side is there just an l screen protecting you in the middle or are you just a hopefully they don't line you and hit you in the head (laughs) yeah uh there's an L screen. So we've, we've tried it a couple different ways and, and Nate's been really creative with it. We have a couple different L screens. Um, really we need, like, I think it's called an A screen and we just haven't gotten it. I think that's what driveline uses. So to keep them so close together so that you can actually reach them. Um, and then we have like a thinner a tech, like I screen, I think it's called. Um, but yeah, we've, we've taken an L screen. We've pieced them together to where it's just, it works for the distances and um, that we that we can make work there. We've cut holes in L screen so we can get closer, get them closer together. Um, it's it basically you can you can figure it out based on what you have, which is what we need to do. So I don't have like an exact answer for you because um, it probably depends on on what everybody has at their facilities. Right. Um, a couple last questions here. What? What are your goals for for your facility for Johansson Baseball in the future? Do you guys are you guys want to be essentially, you know, bigger than than Driveline or what? What do you envision? Oh man, um, I don't know yet, and uh, you know, all kind of happened by accident. And I would say like, I I don't really have as much as like I like competing and I like being first and I like doing some things. Um, at some point, maybe when I when I started this, maybe that being quote unquote better than driveline or bigger than driveline may have crossed my mind at some point. I don't I don't really know. I can't pinpoint that, but I don't I don't think that should be anybody's goal. Like I don't I don't think that's. I mean, driveline. I said they want to be the biggest. They've they've kind of stated their mission statement and then they've acted accordingly. But I think there's room in this world for for everybody to to, um, to coexist, right? Like they're going to put out a lot of good information. They're going to do a lot of cool stuff. They're going to have success. Um, they're going to be able to have a really big reach, right? Like that's one of those things where with all their employees and all their contacts, they have a huge reach with the MLB minor league systems, you know, doing their consulting work. Now they've, now they've got all their cool tech stuff to where 
you know, they can go in and basically set up Edgertronic cameras and do a lot of stuff. Like I, I don't think that that will be our goal. Um, you know, doing some of the consulting stuff and helping people get set up with what we use and how we use it and why we use it, um, you know, might, might be down the road, but I really, I want to work with the athletes that are in front of me. Um, I want to get, I want to get the best possible information out and I want to really contribute to player development. So if we like what we're going to be doing with the force plates and some of the vision stuff we do, like I want to put that information out for free and, um, be able to talk about it and be able to contribute like i want johnny's dad to be able to go rent a tunnel for 20 bucks instead of pay somebody 200 a half hour because he has a cool resume that is teaching you weird stuff or anecdotal stuff right like like if we could save save parents from not not only financially but just like the fear of missing out like oh my gosh i have to see a guru and we can put out good info and we can make it simple um, I would say that's like our, that's our general thrust and what that turns into in terms of our facilities, um, you know, is, is up in the air. Um, I do know that I want to, I want to be a player development first. Um, and with that, we need to take care of our employees. So we need, our employees need to have good salaries, good benefits. Um, they need to feel, they need to be able to come to work ready to go, feel refreshed. They need time off. Um, it can't be the grind that, that I put in, that Chad puts in, that Kyle Bodie puts in all the time. Like we need these guys, like we need the supporting staff to be the very best that we can possibly be. Um, and then after that, you know, the parent experience, like does a parent feel comfortable dropping their, dropping their kid off? Does their parent like leave there and have the, like, is a parent going to smile? Cause the kid's smiling. Cause he had a good time. Can the parent, you know, look in on, on cameras and even though we don't allow them directly back in the facility and from like a stress point, um, can they see, can they go to a live stream and see what their kid's doing while after they dropped them off, you know, a high school kid that drives himself and, you know, they say, Hey, how was baseball today? And the kid's like, fine. And it really, it was awesome. Cause he had, he PR'd by 10 miles an hour. His average veal was up by four miles an hour, like whatever it is. Right. And the parent doesn't know that cause it's a high school kid and he's just like, fine, you know? So like really, really providing like a family, providing the best, like, the best player development information for free um, that's like simple and bringing people together in the game of baseball. And I think from there, like the business side of things will take care of itself and it'll kind of work itself out. It's kind of been an accident up to this point. Um, I never really sat down and had a business plan and that's sorry, Tony, he's, he's fixing that right now. <laughs> um, but that's, I don't know if that answers your question. There's, it's, it's a lot of maybes and a lot of, I don't know. Sorry. It's uh, happens a lot. <laughs> No, actually, the only the follow, one follow-up I had is um, on that, actually, is you guys don't allow cameras in your facility? So we allow cameras. We don't allow parents. So Oh, parents um, aren't allowed in the facility. Right, so they have to wait in the lobby. So basically, if you would, if you would imagine, and that's, and that's, that's really not, a, it's not to keep parents out by any means. Um, we want, like, parents to be involved, and we want to tell them and talk to them, and I, we try to do our very best to do that. But what happens is, you get these you get these overbearing parents and you can allow some back but not others because some parents are really cool and they get it and then you get the ones who you know we're doing double machine and the kid missed 12 times in a row and the parent starts like chirping in his ear and it's like and i i I think that in a leadership standpoint like in a self-led self-led culture and environment where like 16 year olds are are teaching 12 year olds and actually like 12 year olds are teaching new 15 year olds some of the drills and some of the stuff and like they're all kind of like cohesive together like parents don't need to be back there um chirping the kids ears like the kids get to be kids they get to work hard they do work hard and we've gotten 
more good feedback from that. Like, I'm so glad you don't allow parents back than we have bad feedback. And when we actually switched the rule, I did get, I mean, I, the guy yelled at me, um, which is fine. Uh, but, and then immediately after that, a high school kid was like, thank you so much for making that rule. And his, his parents were never there. He was trying to train and be in a cool environment where other parents were there. And he was like, I just felt like it couldn't be myself, you know, I'm trying to help these kids. Like I would go over and try to like work with this kid. And then the dad would jump, like jump all over it. Like it, it took away from my leadership abilities. And it was that, that was kind of cool. Um, and the other thing with that too, is like all these kids, like if somebody asked me the other day, he's like, Hey, are we hiring a new guy? I saw that guy. Are we hiring him? And it's like a high school kid. Like I was like, we, I was like, that's awesome. And that happened. Like I'm now that I, like I start to hear it more and like, I start to like pay attention to it. Like it happens all the time. And I don't know if we get that, that type of culture environment, if we just had parents back there all the time, like it's really, it's really player driven. And I think that's why we have success, even though like it does piss off some parents. <laughs> That's good stuff right there, man. Ryan, really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me, man. I know it was last minute. I appreciate uh, appreciate the invite. Thanks for eating up some of the time on this. And um, we would love to, love to have you on ours, man. You're putting out some great stuff. Um, really looking forward to having uh, seeing more guests on the podcast and all the stuff you're putting out, man. Appreciate it.